Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus with producer Sanaa Marie. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose the highs and lows of their pursuits and how through their passion they are moving the culture forward be sure to follow verbally effective and ina esco on instagram also download the verbally effective podcast on soundcloud itunes and google play music don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com Yo, 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 what's up? It's your boy Howard Q hanging out with Double E, Ina Esco on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Player. What's up? It's your girl, Devin Dion. The life of the party always get it started. And you already know I'm rocking with the Verbally Effective Podcast and Ina Esco. I'm Krista Mercedes, also known as the Runway DJ. And I'm verbally effective because I am a woman with a vision and purpose. Crystal Mercedes, a.k.a. The Runway DJ, has been fashionably spinning and creating the artistry of a runway DJ style since 2008. Born and raised in the heart of Memphis, Tennessee, and later moving to Chattanooga, Tennessee, for college and developing her passion and dedication for music. Self-made, one of the hardest working DJs that manages to have a career in marketing and film production while still having enough energy and enthusiasm to focus on her DJ craft. Undeniably mixing the DJ scene up by styling a party atmosphere with variations of music and fashion elements that creates an element of a runway show. This talented young lady is known for mixing the sounds of hip-hop, R&B, Deep House with mainstream pop music and just a little bit of reggae and rock. Verbally effective, your double E, Ina Esco. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Verbally Effective Podcast. You guys are still rocking with me through COVID-19. I definitely appreciate it. Make sure you download, subscribe, and make a review on all podcasting platforms such as SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeart, and of course, CastBox. Today I have with me one beautiful young lady who is tearing it up on the DJ scene. Her name is Crystal Mercedes, a.k.a. Runway DJ. What's up, Miss Crystal? How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. You know, this is a great platform, and I'm just so thankful and grateful to be on it. Thank you for having me. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for joining me today. You know, we've probably done a few gigs together over the years, and... You know, I just think that you have a wonderful brand and exquisite style. Like, I know I know your, you know, moniker is the runway DJ. So you definitely exude, you know, their runway style. So I love your platform, lady. And you are tearing it up out here in these Memphis streets. And I know not only Memphis, but other areas as well. So we're going to get into all of that today, Crystal. So let's start at the beginning, though. What part of Memphis are you from? Um, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. 
I'm originally from South Memphis, Tennessee. South Memphis. Like, what area in South Memphis you from? South Memphis. So, the area is called mostly Trees, but it's between Macklemore and Mississippi and, you know, where Soulsville, the Stats Museum is. Kind of that area. Okay. So, I grew up, you know, going to the Boys and Girls Club. I went to Alton Elementary. Then my mama moved out east, and then I went with her. <laughs> okay, okay. So you kind of grew up over there right by my uh, college days at Lemoyne on College, because I know Trigg and Macklemore right there, baby. Right there. I'm in the backyard, right there, right there. Yes. So how was it growing up in South Memphis at an early age? I would say that I was blessed. Um, my grandfather and grandma had a big blue house on Richmond, still do to this day. And it was all about family. We had the Boys and Girls Club, which was across the street. So we were able to play and learn how to swim and play basketball and shoot pool. So it was really fun to learn. Most of the days were spent outside. I was definitely an outside kid, riding bikes, playing jack, you know, on the front porch, eating popsicles and wild and So I was a, I wasn't a country, you know, child, but I was definitely a city, you know, inner city uh, youth growing up. Yes, yes. And you said um, you have siblings, right? Yes, I have one sister. One sister. Okay, what's the age difference with you and your sister? Well, I don't want to get into my mama business, but we're one year apart. <laughs> your mama business okay but but you guys are pretty close yes we just celebrated her birthday um she's 33 and i'll be 32 this year but mm. yes we one year apart we really close um she was a teenage mother so my sister really had to grow up really fast so i have a little nephew he was like a little brother camera because we were so young that he came in and it's like to this day he feels like my little brother but mm. he's my nephew Oh, wow. And you, so you said that your mom moved to East Memphis, and of course you moved to East Memphis. So how was that transition moving from South Memphis to East Memphis? It was a, it was different. You know, being so young, you kind of go outside and make friends with almost anybody. So the street, I would say, I had a good group of friends to this day are my besties. Like, we grew up, you know, riding bikes terrorizing the neighbors. Um, just being able to make new friends was kind of easy for me. It was just during that time where everybody was so welcoming. You know, it wasn't no gang-related stuff in my neighborhood, not even in South Memphis, to my knowledge, and definitely not in East Memphis. So it was a really great time going to Willow Oaks Elementary. Transitioning from schools, I would say it was different mm-hmm. because, you know, you have a new teacher, you don't have the same, you know, children in your class, but that was like first grade, so you kind of, you know, you can kind of get away with, oh, I got new friends all over the place, so. Right, right, <laughs> yeah, okay, kinda... so what high school did you attend, Crystal? I went to the one and only Overton High School, Oh, you know <laughs> the Overton. <laughs> okay i know that you guys at overton you know you all you know have a big big program for music at overton right yes it's a performing arts school 
Um, I went to the incubator school, which is Colonial Middle. Mm-hmm. So that's where you had the choirs, the dancers, the track the basketball cards, y'all. y'all. Most, Most of us went over to overtime after we graduated from eighth grade. So it's performing arts, theater, music. Sports was the best, you know, elite. your stuff on the on the field with the flags. Right, with the flag dropping <laughs> it everywhere. Somebody keeps <laughs> the right way. <laughs> wow. Would you say at that point in your life that's when your love for music really started cultivating? Absolutely. Like growing up, my uncle and auntie, they were DJs. They mm. were always partying and you know, I couldn't attend the parties, but the love for the music was there. But I've seen a different essence of the music being in the band. You know, mm-hmm. like you have sections and they coming together and they playing this and they doing that and it's all, you know, making one full out song. So it was very interesting to understand the production of music. It's just the whole, you know, journalism and broadcast media because, you know, the news stations, they would come out and tape us and we would be on like TV, you know, it was like channel. It was a Channel 17 for Memphis where they showcased the, you know, football mm-hmm. games and they had the halftime. But, you know, Memphis is really big on sports and music. So it was just, you know, only right that most of us was in one of those fields, right? Yes, definitely. Definitely. Now, what did Crystal do after you graduated from Overton? What was the next step? So the next step, if I can remember correctly, uh, it was that summer. Well, I had already, uh, you know, made points to go to UC Chat, which is in Chattanooga. I wanted to stay within Tennessee because, mm-hmm. you know, that out of state was no joke. So yeah. <laughs> I was like, I want to get far away, but I don't want to get too far. So mm-hmm. I decided to go to uh, UC Chat. They had the best door. And <laughs> they just had the best <laughs> Wow. In, in Chattanooga, you know, that's a whole different environment from Memphis, right? Absolutely. Chattanooga was, you know, it still has this, you know, culture like, you know, black part, but predominantly it was, you know, kind of, you know, a middle-aged, white, you know, blue-collar kind of city. Mm-hmm. So when I made the commitment to go to UT Chat, of course I wanted to continue dancing. I had just started, you know, being on the color guard. It was fun. So, um, of course, UT Chat, they have a band. So I tried out for the color guard, and I went early because I had to go to band camp. And that really changed my whole life, going three weeks early to college 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, leaving my parents. Hey, you know, bye, sister. You know, I'm about to go to college. <laughs> yes, and you know that's a, a rigorous training when you in a band in college. I do two a days, and in that heat I, on that field, I already know it was kind of like a brutal training ground, right? I changed colors. I was not the brown-handed <laughs> young lady <laughs> when my mama dropped me off. I was crispy. I already crispy know. <laughs> <laughs> I already know. I already know. So what did you major in, Crystal, at UT Chat? I majored in communications with a focus in broadcast journalism. Okay. Okay. And so I wanted to be in media. Media. Okay. It was more media. Mm-hmm. Definitely media. I, I can see, like, with your brand today, I can see how you put all of the pieces together, lady. I can see how you put it all together. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, my God, I gotta talk. Oh, I gotta. Yeah. I can't be country. Cause, yeah. you know, you know, coming from Memphis, we just so, you know, not hood, but we a little country. So, yeah. you really, my one class that was really hard was voice addiction. Crystal, you have to sound out your words. I'm like, huh? You know? Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a very good class to have when you're in the media. You know, how you sound, how you portray yourself. All of that is important when building a brand. So um, while you were at UT Chat Crystal, um, you know, I know that's where you met your boo at, right? Yeah, I met my husband there. Yeah. <laughs> so you met him immediately, or when did you meet your hubby at UT Chat? Well, you know, we were all from Memphis, most of us. Most of us came from Memphis or Knoxville or Nashville. Curtis, he graduated from White Station in 06, so we, you know, the same graduating class, and we met in Chattanooga, because I didn't know him, you know, here in Memphis, so when you come in as a freshman, you got to have a freshman class, everybody come in together, so we all hung out, everybody thought Curtis was from Nashville, because no one, you know, I didn't know him, I didn't, you know, no one knew him. So we was like, he's a Nashville guy. Mm-hmm. So we were friends, you know. We went to parties. He played basketball. You know, he had a job on campus. And I worked at the computer lab. So I had a job which was facing because everybody came there to do their papers and all of that. So I kind of, you know, became, you know, a little popular real fast because people kind of saw me every day sitting there checking them in. So I came across Curtis, and he was, you know, cute. But, you know, as a freshman, you trying to see what else out there. You don't even yeah. know who's Exactly, exactly. <laughs> wow. So that's where you guys met. And uh, while you were at UT Chat and approaching graduation, did you already have an idea of, you know, what field you were going to jump into? Because I know, you know, I think you began DJing in UT Chat, right? Right. I began DJing in 20, ooh. 2008, August 2008, um, two years after I went to chat, I started DJing. I had a great mentor. Um, I was working at this call center, and I really didn't know where to start with DJing. I just knew I wanted to do something different with the music. Because, you know, about two years in, you kind of dance the parties, you hear the DJs, and I never seen a female DJ, ever. Mm-hmm. I was like... What, what a female is it, you know? Right. It was this one particular night. It was um, a three-day weekend. It's like the end of the year party, like reading day. 
because you're supposed to be reading, but you're not partying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you at the club, and I was listening to the DJ with my friends, you know, not really paying attention. And then about that second night, I realized that the music was the same. Like, the same song in the same role, mm. the same mix. I'm like, um, I heard this mix yesterday. <laughs> Don't know why. I recognize it. I'm like, wow, why do I know this? I'm at work talking. Oh, I want to be a DJ. The girl behind me like, oh, I know a DJ. He'll be great. And I was like, who is it? She's like, it's DJ Dirty Laundry. I'm like, I don't know who that is, but please, you know, connect me with him. Mm-hmm. I ended up connecting with this man. He was doing CD duplications. And, you know, he was doing mixtapes, putting them in gas stations, breaking artists. It was you know, in 2008, where we had a CD and we played it in our car, and that's how we heard the music. It wasn't really, you know, on Apple Music. We had the radio, we had people making mixtapes. Yeah. So that's what he was doing. So I was his intern. I would help with the CD duplications. Even before he allowed me to DJ, he was like, you got to put some work in to mm-hmm. understand what all this is for. So fast forward there, he helped me buy, you know, tells me what to buy. Um, the equipment wise, because I use my refund check. Of course, we all, you know, get a refund check in yep. college. Yep. So I spent my entire refund check on my equipment. Mm. I bought some Denon 3700 with a Behringer mixer. I thought I was killing it. <laughs> <laughs> that stuff was heavy and my back was broke. I was like, man, I don't know about this. <laughs> right, right. You had to move that stuff around. I had to move it around. I was a mobile DJ. And me and Curtis, we started, you know, dating on our end of our sophomore going into junior year. So he was there from the very beginning. My first gig that went horribly wrong. Um, everything went wrong. Speaker blues. I played instrumental. I thought it was Yo Gotti. That was up. The song never came on. Mm. Ever. It was just a beat. <laughs> well, you had to learn some way, huh, Crystal? I started. Mm-mm. So yeah, I started. It was hard, you know. You know, yeah. people never heard you DJ before. You know, they not got to honestly give you a chance. Like you gotta. It wasn't like now where I could go put it on the internet and DJ live. It was like you almost had to do it for people to believe in you. Yeah. So when you do it a couple times and a few times and people rock with you, then they start booking you. Mm-hmm. But it was later when people start booking me for parties after. Cause I was so involved on campus, they needed DJ. They was like, "Oh, you a DJ? Can you DJ the space tournament for the um, you know, the um, you know, like the students' event? Can you do this fashion show? Can you DJ the freshman orientation?" So that's when I started realizing that not only was it parties to DJ, there was corporate events to DJ. Mm-hmm. I didn't always have to be in the club to DJ. And that's where my, I think, the brand really flourished because I didn't always have to DJ party. It was events, ceremonies, mm-hmm. graduations that I could do and play the music and be a feeler that I, you know, I really learned something new and a new avenue for music is when I really discovered it in Chattanooga. Wow. So you kind of really, you know, laid the foundation in Chattanooga for your brand and you know kind of went through some of 
you know, I guess getting baptized by the fire with, you know, how your music should flow, your equipment, you know, you learned a lot out there, UT Chat, I see. I learned a lot. You know, I got bruises. Um, I'm band-aided up now. But, I, you know, I, I bumped my head a couple of times. And I really recognized that it was about having good character and being a woman of your word. If you say you're going to do something or do this event or, you know, you had to be on time, you had to come looking ten times better than your counterpart DJs because they was looking at you. I wore heels. I've never not DJed in heels. Mm. That's just my thing. Yeah. And you have a unique style, I would say, Crystal, because you, you come to the events looking like a runway model, baby. You looking good every event. Was that all a part of developing your brand on the runway DJ? Absolutely. Um, the runway DJ really came about when I was, when I moved and graduated from college, I moved to Atlanta. Um, Atlanta, those, you know, that was, you know, being you, you know, you know how Atlanta is. It's on 10 compared to Memphis or Chattanooga. So when I graduated and went to Atlanta, um, I had an internship. Of course, I was in broadcast journalism, so I had an internship with this great company. And I was on lunch one day walking downtown going to get some Vietnamese because I love Vietnamese food. <laughs> <laughs> and I passed this sewing shop. And this guy was in a sewing inner. He was sewing his heart out. I'm like, what is this man in here doing? Like, my grandmama killing me. Mm-hmm. And I never seen a man doing sewing. Me, you know, I know the dapper dance and all of that, but I've never seen it with my own eyes, a man with his own shop sewing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I walked past a couple of days, and one day I just went in there. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm a fish doctor. I said, fish doctor? Fish what? Sometimes you may not think of certain things or qualities that you have. And he kind of 
gave me that name, and I created the Runway DJ brand out of just love and fashion from that. Yes, and that name definitely fits you, lady. It definitely fits you. Now, so you were in Atlanta at that time. So how did everything go about with all of your interns, with, you know, the media company, with you coming back to Memphis? How did that transition all come along? Right. So when I came back home, it was really tough. Of course, I was still DJing. Like, people knew me as a DJ. But breaking into media, you almost, you know, have to do it organically. Because people got their own spot. People been here. Because I was gone from 2006 to 2015. So that's almost 10 years away from the city. So I know people have made their mark in the city that they ain't grind and work hard for. So I knew nobody was going to give me anything. I was going to have to earn it. So, you know, I went and tried to apply for different media stations, radio stations, TV stations, um, food stations, mm-hmm. <laughs> everything. And I did not, I wasn't successful. I was like, what is it? And then they said, Crystal, my mama always said, it. you're going to overqualify yourself. Because I had got a master's degree while I was in Atlanta um, in marketing. So I like all oh, communications, media, marketing, that's the wave of the generation of the, you know, that's what's coming. I should know that. And it was, you know, I was a math degree girl with no experience or a job. So I just had to DJ, you know, DJ. I just was DJing. Short <laughs> mm. DJ. And I did, you know, promotional work. I was a brand ambassador. I work for like different brands, you know, promoting their companies and, you know, getting people to know new products and new product lines. And I still was DJing in and out of Atlanta because I still had my clients. I did weddings and birthday parties and, you know, I still had to do my Atlanta gigs because I wasn't fully acclimated to Memphis on the scene of DJing or even, you know, having a job. So I was back and forth for um, probably a year. Wow. So how did it feel coming, you know, back home to Memphis, you know, trying to, you know, get your bearings together and find your way in your hometown? And how did, you know, specifically, I would say, how did the men respond to you being a DJ? You know, so I know when you hit the town, you're trying to get gigs, you're trying to get on. How did everybody respond to you, Crystal? Um, they respond, you know, they was welcoming, like, hey, we have a new female DJ, because, you know, we have a renowned big suit, so they want to see other females, you know, walk behind her, so it was really, it was embracing, but as a DJ who built their own brand, you then have to, de- you know, debrand yourself and fit in with what's going on, like, who's in the club? You have to fit in with that DJ crew. You have to, you know, like, you have to join. You just can't be a fly on the wall and, like, yeah, give me this gig and walk away. No, like, Memphis is all about shit. You know, you have to run with people. Yeah. You got to run with the promotional group. You have to run with the, the nightlife guys. So it, it was it was really hard. It was so hard that I just bagged away. I think I, I, I bagged away for the first year. I just didn't want any parts of it. It was just too, it was just too much. 
to have to de-brand myself to be nothing and become what they wanted me to be. Mm. So I don't think I partnered with anyone. <laughs> when I first came yeah. up. It was kind of overwhelming. I think it's a bad idea now in 2020. Yeah. That was 2016. I think that was not a good look for some people that I didn't want to join what they were doing. Yeah, you wanted to be your original authentic self. And you couldn't do that then in 2016, right? 2015, 16? No. Mm. I, I, yeah. Well, I think I you made the right choice, it. though. I think you made the right choice sticking to your guns <laughs> <laughs> and not conforming. Yeah. I understand. I understand because it's something about when you're different and, you know, you want your authenticity to be displayed and people aren't responding to that because they're not used to someone being their original self they want you to conform to what they're doing people don't like that but that's what stands out I had to learn it like I honestly you know I didn't know what I was doing you know from 2008 to 2015 you know it's like what is this roller coaster and that's what it felt like but I knew the people and it's about people as a DJ you gotta be a people person you have to just enlighten people. So when I went and met so many different people, I did so many things. I was working in film. I joined the military because I couldn't find a job. And, you know, I've been DJing parties and stuff for the military family um, that I have. So I knew that it was something bigger that I was supposed to do. And it wasn't just a nightclub or it just wasn't, you know, I just knew I had a bigger platform that I was supposed to do. But I didn't know how to get there. You know, like, I didn't know the steps. I just knew I was going to say no to this. I wasn't afraid to say no. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I'm not afraid to say no. Because if it doesn't align with what my brand is or what I want to do personally or forthcoming in my career and goals, I'm not going to do it. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. But that's that's a good, you know just model overall to have with being able to say no because some people don't know how to say no like some people learn that later in life um being more good at the nose but the nose you know it's a skill to say no and really know you know what you want to do and what you don't want to do when you when you figure that out saying no is so much easier when you know what you don't want to do Right. You're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I know I don't want to do this. Exactly. Exactly. So let's fast forward to today. And I know, let's talk a minute about what you were doing prior to COVID-19. Because, you know, everybody in Memphis, we enjoy hanging out at the weekend. And you were on them turntables at the weekend, baby. So how did the weekend come about? The weekend was a true blessing in disguise. I had never had a residential gig um, in Memphis. I was always doing, you know, parties and, you know, private events, but I never had somewhere where people can go see me on this day every night. So when they created the weekend, you know, when the guys came up, who they were going to pick, of course, Devin, he's all about opportunity for the young DJs and just, you know, people in general, anything happening in the city. So he connected 
on um, me and one of my friends, DJ Apple Whiskey, too, is to bring that female element. And then Big Sue, she comes every now and then to stand for special occasions. So it was, it, I was really grateful. I was blown away that I was selected to even be a DJ. And when I got the reception of, you know, the New Year's party, I had never did a New Year's party in that type of environment with those type of people, with that type of just cloud in the city. You know, I was nervous. Mm-hmm. It was my first week, and I did the soft party. Um, it was like right after Christmas. That was my first night at the weekend, four hours. I was like, I can do this, four hours. And then I did good, I guess. They wanted me back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I did the new year. So that was my first residential gig in Memphis, the weekend. Wow. And, you know, the, when the weekend came, they kind of brought a different flavor to nightlife to the city because, you know, even with you mixing as a DJ there, there's really not a dance area. Like, they don't really want, you know, a lot of dancing going on, I would say. So the DJ has to keep it going and keep it lively. So that's what I was wondering as a DJ, how do you feed off the crowd if there's really not a lot of dancing going on? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. The weekend is really upscale, and it's for people to bring out their friends for their birthday. So people got sections, they got bottle service, they got hookah, they sitting down. You can kind of... See, I'm always a DJ that accepts requests. If I wasn't a people DJ, why would I be up there DJing for the people? So people come up to me, they like, I got a baby birthday girl in the back. You know, she want to hear some 2 chain. That's my birthday. I'm like, I got you. You know, and I kind of <laughs> play all what I see. The waitresses, they definitely, you know, play a big part in keeping the momentum and the vibe going because they're walking around, serving, dancing. So, you know, having a good relationship with the servers, the managers, the door guys, it, it's really a lot. But I like old school. I like R&B. So the weekend gives me that I can play R&B. And you know when they're turning up. If it's 12 o'clock, a basketball player walk in, Zebo somebody walk in there, you like, oh, it's turn up time. <laughs> yes, turn up, turn up. Yeah, I've you always had Yes, I've always had a great time at the weekend, always. Now, Crystal, so, you know, I know all of that was going great uh, prior to COVID-19, and I know COVID-19 hit, and it has affected everyone across industries, especially as a DJ, because I remember when, you know, we kind of went into quarantine. I noticed a lot of DJs making posts on social media saying, like, check on your DJ friend. Uh, you know, because we're not doing what we want to do. However, since then, we're still on kind of quarantine. The city kind of letting up a little bit. But I've seen a lot of virtual type of platforms. So what has changed for you since COVID-19? Definitely the interaction with people uh, as I DJ. Still having clients who want to feel, you know, support you know, the people that they serve, so they want to give them something. So I've been doing a lot, a lot of Zoom virtual parties, and it's been really fun because on Zoom you can see um, people dancing and being engaging, and they can do a chat and make a request. So it's been really fun to know that people still allow music to move them. And, you know, I'm still getting paid for doing those Zoom parties. Mm -hmm. It ain't as much as I would at a, you know, regular party. 
but I'm grateful and thankful even for the opportunity to still be able to DJ. Um, and about a year ago, um, me and three other ladies, we formed a group um, for female DJs. And, you know, being kind of, I wouldn't say the spokesperson for it, we all wanted to still continue to DJ. We had through our parties, ladies of day parties, and Ina was our host. control of the the possibilities that can happen you know like you know people are tuning in they really can say anything on the internet and you know just murphy's law anything can happen while you're live so i can understand that mixing live can kind of probably be a little challenging just to even stay motivated for mixing for what you said like an hour just to Keep yes. it going with no crowd in front of you giving that energy. Right. It's hard. Like, it's hard. You don't know if somebody's <laughs> going to support you. <laughs> right. Like, oh, this is good words. You know, like, mm-hmm. then Facebook and Instagram, you know, they would take the stuff down. Because, you know, you got, you know, about radio, you got, you know, copyrights and mm-hmm. claims. And, you know, as a DJ, you, you know, playing those songs and stuff and other people own those rights so right. it's a lot you know to learn and even knowing how to pen it, it was challenging at first but I think this is what I needed to motivate to record live to do those mixes that I said I was going to do yes. and it has forced me to do those things other than that I don't think I would have ever been live DJing Right, right. I mean, I understand, Crystal, because I'm thinking about doing a live series with Verbally Effective and just go live and talk to people about different topics and see if they're, you know, verbally effective. But it has been weighing on my mind because of the possibilities that can happen with live. I said, I'm going to break through that fear and just do it. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. Okay. This is a great platform. People would love to see it. You know, like we hear it, they would love to see it. 
Right. Right. And look, you know, since we've been quarantined, you know, you don't have to get up and get dressed and get all pretty every day. You know, it's kind of been on chill, chill mode. So I said, okay, now I'm going to really have to do something to my head when I go live. I'm going to have to put top on at least when y'all see me when I go live, but I'm going to get it together. But enough about me, Crystal. Now you mentioned female collaborations. I think that's awesome. You ladies are coming together and put out this platform to promote each other and when you think about female collaborations i know you've heard that new savage remix with meg the stallion and beyonce what are your thoughts i love it just on some real stuff meg and the stallion savage was already number one it was number one in my book she made a challenge to add the sauce and put beyonce on there it shows that women can come together and make things greater. The song is hot. It's long. It gives you dancing moments. You got R&B moments. I love the Savage Remix. I'm playing both of them. Because sometimes when you're in the club, people want the original song. Mm-hmm. It's good to do remixes. They love it, but sometimes you always have to go back to that original version. But it gives us multiple ways to play Savage. So I'm really feeling Feeling, feeling, Beyonce. She came out the hive. She came out. Baby, we was like, where is Beyonce on quarantine? Is she going to put out some music? And she dropped this new remix with her Texas hottie, Meg Thee Stallion. I'm loving it. Yes. She going to come out with something soon. What? I bet Beyonce's going to drop something. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. So, uh, Crystal, I appreciate you coming on the Verbally Effective Podcast today. And, you know, we're still in quarantine. I know Shelby County is starting phase one of kind of letting up the restrictions. So when do you think, you know, or really my question is, what's going to be different for you when you get back out on your platform and can physically go to, you know, DJ different events? What, what has changed for you? As we've all sat under quarantine, has anything changed for you with how you're going to approach your business? Absolutely. I may not do hookah anymore. <laughs> what? I don't know about the hookah stick in the little filter, um, but I think for the most part, the interactions with people, especially when they come up to me and they want to, you know, maybe give a request or Mm -hmm. you know say something to me I'm definitely going to have a mask on probably for the entire year as I'm DJing so we're looking out for stylish masks to match every outfit that I have on while I'm DJing Um, I'm not going to DJ in gloves because I'm going to be hot but I am going to make sure I maintain social distancing at least you know as I can um, during this time because there's no vaccine. I don't know what's going on. I don't want to be sick. I don't want to get my family sick. Right. But I, I don't plan to DJ live until maybe June or July, depending on how the phases work. Honestly. Yeah. It's just our entire life has changed. And with them letting up the restrictions, it's kind of like, you know, scary a little bit on how we go back into society with because nothing is the same this we have a new normal and we really like you said there's no vaccine yet we really don't know if that thing is going to do like a relapse in the fall because of us getting out in phase one is it's kind of scary 
Yeah, I'm scared. I'm afraid, but I'm faithful. Um, you know, I'm faithful that it will pass. But we have to do what we can. And it's about, you know, staying safe. Wear the mask. Put your gloves on, especially when you go into public places. When you're at home, that's cool. I know you want to see your family. I miss my mama. I want to see my sister, my grandparents. So I go over there with my mask and gloves because I don't feel, I don't have any symptoms. And that's the most scariest part in uh, not knowing that you have it because you don't have any symptoms. That's the most part of the whole COVID-19 is not knowing if you have it. Right, and you could still, you could be a carrier, you know, that that's right. really scary, right? So, yeah, this COVID-19 has just changed our entire reality, but Crystal, I am so proud of you. I've been seeing you out here on your grind, representing for the ladies. I think you bring your own original style, you know, that runway aspect. And I'm glad that you've always stuck to your guns and have remained to be yourself and keep your platform going the way it is. I'm so proud of you, Crystal. Thank you so much. And to you, like, this is a huge platform that I'm speaking on right now. So I'm thankful for you for even walking in your gift and giving me this opportunity to talk about, you know, my gifts and talent. So I definitely appreciate you, and I wish you nothing but success. And start that podcast, sis. <laughs> yes ma'am you know i'm gonna keep that these pods bro look i'm gonna go live just for you i'm gonna let you know when i'm gonna do it you might be one of my guests on this live series okay oh yeah i can do that in the back social distancing you know gotta... <laughs> right we're gonna see how you look your new your uh put your uh new line of mass out we're gonna see what you're working with on that fashion tip hey. too <laughs> I'm going to be feeling the wild DJ. Get your man. <laughs> right. Look, cash app me now. Cash app. Cash app. Don't right. play. <laughs> Don't play. Okay, Crystal, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you and see, you know, the Runway DJ platform. Let everybody know your socials, websites, all that good stuff. Yes. Well, thank you all for tuning in to the Verbally Effective Podcast with DJ Crystal Mercedes. You can find me at therunwaydj.com. All of my social handles are The Runway DJ. And find me out on Facebook at DJ Crystal Mercedes. Like me, book me for your next event. If it's later in the year, I got you. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. That's right. We got Crystal Mercedes, a.k.a. The Runway DJ, on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Thank you so much, lady. Thank you. Thank you.